hello everybody and welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. Today we are in season two, episode two, and we have a exciting conversation today as we continue with our series, The Way Back. Um, as we get going, my name is Ben Patterson and I'm joined by Paul Hugobart. Yeah, uh, we're also joined by new set furniture. Yes. Super comfortable <laughs> stools and this new slightly higher table. So, you know, those of you joining us, watching yeah. on the video, it's going to be pretty exciting today. Our whole it new is. set of used thrift store quality furniture. Yeah, which it's good. I mean, it's how we roll. So, oh, we're good. we're thrifty and yeah, we are. which is why. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, side note. Yes, yes, a good one. A good one of that. So, like I said, we're in this series, The Way Back. This series is uh, based on Paul's book. Um, and it is a series we're preaching through for the months of uh, August and September. I forgot what month it was for a second. Yeah. Um, so we're in part two. Yesterday, you gave part two of that message mm -hmm. series. But Paul, would you just give us a quick like, quick recap for to just kind of refresh some of us or uh, you know, fill some people in who may have not been with us last week? Where have we been on this series? And uh, then we'll talk about where we were yesterday. Yeah, if you remember from, uh, from last week's episode, really uh, the writing of this book is to... Um, to maybe, maybe reinforce for those of us who are already following Jesus, or maybe even to put before somebody who wasn't, hasn't been following Jesus, who hasn't made that step in their, in their life, to put before them the idea that, again, in, in a world of competing ideas and ideals, or even competing narratives about what life is all about, and then how you should then, in response, live your life, um, to, to really kind of lead us to the way of God to the way of Jesus and, and to call us into practicing that way faithfully. And so, um, you know, as we said last week, um, you know, when you set out on a, on a journey, a meaningful journey, you know, or if you were to climb to the top of the mountain, which is the illustration I use in chapter one of the book to kind of get us going. If you were to mm -hmm. climb to the top of the mountain, no matter what uh, implement you use to get to the, the top of the mountain, whether you just decided to hike, you know, a mountain path by using your own feet, or if you're going to take a bike up a mountain, you know, you're going to be winding to the top, even with climbing gear, which people think, well, you just go straight to the top of the mountain. That's not true at all. You know, I, I used to spend a little bit of time uh, climbing. And the reality is you're going side to side looking for the best path to get up that mountain. Sure, your rope, you know, your safety rope goes uh, to the top, you know, to, to keep you from having an accident, but you're not going straight to the top. Even if you're climbing a cliff face, you're moving back and forth, finding the best path up. And so um, the reality is, is the same in, in kind of this series that, that we're in, this journey that we're taking is we're not going to go straight to the top of the mountain. We're going to take a, a kind of winding and, and circuitous mm -hmm. path mm -hmm. intentionally. So because we have to, we have to lay the foundation for where we will eventually wind up, you know? And so, um, so we began last week talking uh, about the importance of trying to understand, answer the question, who is God? Um, and, and then landed on, on the place with it. You know, for starters, uh, God is the one responsible for everything that we see. So he is the creator of everything. That's the way that he presents himself, Genesis 1, into the first few verses of uh, chapter 2, and really throughout the whole of chapter 2 as well. Um, God presents himself to us uh, through the words of Scripture as, as our creator, as the author of life. And so when we try to um, determine 
You know, in fact, we said that's core to his identity. And there are a number of things that are core to his identity. But when we try to determine an answer or discover an answer to the question, who is God? I think that's a great place to begin, mm -hmm. to just lay that foundational framework that God is the one who's created everything we see. He's responsible for all of it. So, um, you know, as we're making, again, uh, you know, kind of foreshadowing, we're actually, I mean, this series is actually about repentance and experiencing the presence of God and maybe even revival, uh, you know, to talk about that in the sense of renewal, revival, and awakening. Um, it's about those things, yes, but we have to start by understanding because, again, it's, it, it can become very, it's strange to me sometimes when we talk about repentance and, and maybe we're just going on some assumptions about the God that calls us into repentance, which I think is mm -hmm. actually what's, what's happening uh, in a lot of the Christian world or the religious world today, um, repentance is not talked about all that much because we don't actually have a framework for who God is. You know, when you understand God as your creator, it's not that much uh, of a leap to get to the place where the one who created us has the right, in a sense, or even like there's an expectation for me to say, this is how you ought to live life. Mm -hmm. As your creator, I'm now saying, come live life my way. Um, you know, and so if we start there, it makes, it makes a whole lot of sense that then he then will eventually we'll see that he obviously moves to that next step of saying, so I created you and here's what I made you for. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that, that's kind of uh, where we're beginning um, last good. weekend with the series as well. That's good. I think that's really helpful groundwork to get going. So, um, yeah, so tell us about this week. Where, where are we at? What did you talk about this in this week's message? This is also chapter two of the yeah. book for those of you all following along in that way. But, yeah, where, give us a little bit of a snapshot of that. Yeah, so, so in the book, what I, what I talk about is, um, you know, kind of to lay the, the foundation for this chapter is, uh, you know, I, I love watching documentaries. You know, I enjoy watching documentaries. Uh, I, I love seeing, especially with, with the, the new, you know, incredibly, you know, ultra high definition cameras that, that were called, you know, 4K experience, basically, uh, the absolute crystal clarity um, in, with which you can watch or in which you can watch those documentaries. And so you can see incredible uh, documentaries showing, um, you know, maybe the African safari. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, so you can see uh, incredible documentaries showing the beauty of the Amazon or even all the way to the Arctic or under under the surface of the ocean, you know, or out into space. Um, so so yesterday, you know, since we can't show one of those documentaries and I don't know that we've got 4K capability, although we've got a you know, pretty good projection system here. Right. <laughs> but I don't know if it's 4K or not. But um, but instead of showing a documentary, which which we don't have the time to do decided instead to pull some images that actually put some of these things on display. But we're talking about high-definition images, um, both through, uh, through the lens of a telescope and then also through the lens of a microscope, which, um, which you, you know, by the way, at the, at the end of uh, last chapter, uh, and especially if you were to read the appendix that follows up with some of the arguments of God, that, those are, those are uh, you know, when we talk about uh, understanding God as the designer or using the argument from design, it is that you know, we go through the telescope and through the microscope to try to actually make the argument for, uh, from design for the existence of a God. Um, it just happens that there are amazing things that are revealed uh, to us in nature about creation as we look through the telescope. And, and one of the things I talked about this past Sunday is, you know, we are, some of the things that we are seeing 
we're the first generation to see them, to witness them the way we are. So it's, you know, it's not, for example, that, um, you know, that nobody has ever seen, uh, you know, a praying mantis, but it might be through the use of, um, you know, photomicrography is what that's called. And, and, you know, I talked about on Sunday morning, yeah, I had to practice that word a little bit because it's not a word that I'm super used to saying, but uh, it might not be a word that you're used to hearing either. But photomicrography is, is basically taking pictures through a telescope or so using, or using a telescope okay. to take pictures. So you're, you're zooming in really tight on something that, that we wouldn't see any other way. You know, so the incredible magnific- magnification um, and then taking a beautiful image with that. You know, so there are some images taken of praying mantises that are like that or of the wings of a butterfly that reveal almost scales on the wings of a butterfly. You know, we've all seen a butterfly, but it's a totally different thing to, to, to be able to see the detail of the butterfly's wing mm-hmm. or the proboscis mm-hmm. or other things. These different parts of these, these animals, one, my, probably my favorite that uh, we looked at um, you know, on, during Sunday's message was um, the, the foot pad of this tropical beetle that just had all this incredible design. So if, you know, if you're listening or watching, you know, we're not showing these images, but just go do a, a Google search for photomicrography and, and you'll, you'll find some of these images. And so incredible beauty observed that way. Um, the same thing true with, uh, with the telescope. We, you know, we, we've all seen, I think it was July 11th, July 12th, when the first images from the James Webb telescope were, were released, were revealed. And so there'd been the launch of the uh, James Webb telescope, I think, maybe a year before, um, and it was now this high-definition telescope that was taking the place of the Hubble telescope and was going to be able to send back images. And it wasn't, again, that we hadn't seen some of these images to some degree through the Hubble telescope, but we had not seen them in a detail that we now saw in the Webb telescope. And so you see incredible things. I mean, search out the images from the Webb telescope and you'll see some of the things that I'm talking about. You see different nebulas and different galaxies in incredible detail. Um, You see also the cosmic cliffs, which to me just is this amazing thing that there's this picture of what look like mountains, um, you know, out in in deep space. And they're obviously not mountains. What they are is kind of this gas cloud. Uh, the amazing thing is when you think about the size of this gas cloud, they say the tallest peak from, you know, from basically what looks like the base to the top of what looks like a peak, and it's not really a peak at all, um, is actually the distance between the base and the peak is 7 million light years. So even just in, th- in that, you're seeing this incredible scope. You know, we've got deep space images of, of the galaxies that are, that are out there. Um, and so, you know, we see beauty um, both through the microscope and the telescope. And then, um, you know, and then we start to, to think, okay, so we're seeing beauty at both of these uh, levels, um, but we're also seeing it at, you know, I mean, we're seeing it in one way with things that are incredibly small and then in other things that are, another way, things that are incredibly large and, and knowing that God is the creator of all of that. In fact, we talked, you know, go way beyond the idea of photomicrography to actually um, moving to a place where, uh, and it's not theory, um, but, but sometimes we're, we're having to draw these things that, that we know exist like an atom. You know, so I showed a picture, uh, a render, an artist rendering of an atom yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we talked about the fact that, you know, if you had a hydrogen item or a hydrogen atom, um, and then you had, you had the tip of a, a needle, like a sewing needle, you could actually put five million hydrogen atoms on top of the tip of that needle. You know, and so that's how small these things are. 
Uh, and then there's moving parts of that atom uh, that, that get even smaller. And then there's these things out there called quarks, which I really don't understand a whole lot about, but I think it's a kind of cool word. And uh, you know, but the, when you yeah. think about it, it's, it's these small, small particles. We've got God in, in these really big and macro things, the universe, the scale, the scale of the universe, the scope of the universe, beauty there. God in these really small, small things um, it, it, with, with the, the tiniest scope, and there's incredible beauty there. And so we see God revealed um, both in the vastness of the universe and in kind of the tiniest subatomic particles. When you see that in its reality and its fullness, man, it starts to expose just really the majesty of, of the Creator Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so the, the question that, you know, as we're looking at those images and as we're thinking about the scope and the size and all this stuff, you know, the question that I asked, and I think it's great for us to ponder, is, is this one. It's what does creation teach us about the Creator? You yeah. know, I mean, if yeah. God is responsible for, for all of what we see, what does that tell us about God as the Creator? If that's core and central to His identity, what does that tell us about Him? And, and maybe another way of saying that is if we marvel at creation, how should we feel about the Creator? You know, mm-hmm. as, as I watch those documentaries, a really interesting thing to me in particular, um, you know, they're put on by the Science Channel, sometimes the History Channel, Discovery, you know, these different channels that create these documentaries. National Geographic is another one of them. Um, as I watch these documentaries, it's interesting that very rarely do you hear a scientist on one of those documentaries who is talking about creation in the sense that you and I would talk about creation. Mm-hmm. You know, they may even talk about the created order or may even say that, but what they really mean is, you know, that all of this came about from, you know, nothing or some very basic building blocks and then just started evolving and now we have all that we see and, you know, and even with that um, somewhat purposeless philosophy of the universe or of our created order on this earth, they still marvel at creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still in awe of it. In mm-hmm. fact, they talk about the beauty at, you know, on so many different levels. You know, so it's good. That's good. But what if we take that a step further and say, well, what is, for, for those of us who do believe there is a creator, or even if you don't, just allow yourself to, I mean, come along on the journey with us for just a little bit and say, okay, what if there is a creator? What would all of what we see tell us about the one who would create it in, in the way he created mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. In everything we see, all the design, all the detail, what does that tell us about the God who created what we see? And so, you know, I think that, I think it's a very valid question and I think it's one we should explore from time to time. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's a good thing for us to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. It's really good. So, I mean, you talk a lot about the about the beauty mm-hmm. in God's creation, right? So, I guess like I want to hear a little bit more from you of like, in what ways have you just personally mm-hmm. seen and experienced that? Of what ways, like, I mean, just in your own in your own life, how how have you experienced that? Beauty of creation. Yeah, I, I tell a story in the book, and I, I you know, uh, it's a story that I love to share, partially because you know, two of my kids are involved in, in it. Um, you know, so right, 
It would have been just a little bit before, uh, you know, the whole COVID thing got going um, or, or especially right before that kind of time where we were all isolated, you know, when mm-hmm. they told us this thing's only going to last two or three weeks. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. You know, and here we are two, three years later. Right. So, um, <laughs> you know, so what uh, what had happened, my, my parents had moved from where they lived uh, kind of in the Midwest. They moved down to the Gulf Coast. And as they were moving, you know, my dad's going looking through some things that he's got and, you know, trying to determine what's he going to do with this. Is this making the move? Is it not making the move? Well, one of the things that uh, that he had bought, I think, got for his birthday, maybe uh, several years before that was was kind of a, this pretty fancy telescope. I mean, it's one where you basically push a couple of buttons. You can tell it what you want to look at and it'll go find it like it just it's kind of cool mm. to, to watch it do that. And so. Um, you know, you want to go see the moon, you want to observe a particular crater on the moon. If Saturn or Jupiter happens to be visible, you tell it, go find me Saturn or Jupiter. If it's, you know, if it's above the horizon, it, it'll go find it. And so, um, so just like a whole lot of people were, were in, you know, in, in probably March of 2020 and April of 2020, we're, we're trying to find, you know, especially with our kids, some things to do to keep them busy, to keep mm-hmm. them engaged. And certainly, you know, they were still engaging in school, but it was just a whole lot, you know, it was, it was remote learning. It wasn't learning by experience and proximity. And so, um, so I decided, man, we haven't broken out this telescope yet. We ought to break out this telescope, mm-hmm. you know, so now it's at our house. Um, and so we just got in this habit of every clear night, just we were in this rhythm every clear night. We're taking this telescope out to the cul-de-sac, which is kind of a neat thing that we've got this cul-de-sac because it means that you know we've got a little bit of room where in our neighborhood there would be trees otherwise everywhere and you would only yeah. have just a little yeah. area above you well we have a little bit of an opening there um, and also getting a little bit away from some of the houses uh, the street light across the, the the cul-de-sac was actually out during that time too so so less light pollution than normal and so one of the things that we especially love to do was get to where we're looking through this telescope because i mean we we could really zoom in um, and look in some detail at some of the craters on the moon. I mean, it's, it's wild to look mm-hmm. at those things and see, and there's, there's an incredible beauty in that actually, you know, there's an incredible beauty in it. Almost some of the images don't look real too. Um, you know, as you're observing Saturn and maybe seeing some of the rings or, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're seeing Jupiter and then you can tell also that there are these, there are some of the moons, which I think are almost like the size of earth around Jupiter and you can kind of see some of that. The detail is a little bit difficult to pick out sometimes, um, but, but you could see some of these things through mm-hmm. that telescope. And so, you know, I mean, experiencing that and especially, like I said, the moon and the craters on the moon and just the detail with which you could observe that, there's almost this surreal beauty to, yeah. to what yeah. exists you know, to what we were able to see and witness uh, with that. And, you know, as a, my, my oldest son, uh, Andrew, who would, who would have been a little more than, you know, a little more than two years ago at this point. So he was probably 11, 10 and a half, 11. Um, you know, one night after looking through the telescope, just out of his own thoughts, exclaimed to me, man, it, dad, this is, this is awesome. This is really cool that we're getting to do this. And it's incredible to think that God created all of this as we're looking at these different constellations and other things like that. Just that idea came to him. And so, you know, I mean, I've experienced kind of the the beauty of God's creation um, in a lot of different areas on different trips. You know, if we, um, you know, flying over the Grand Canyon is an amazing experience or, you know, diving in the ocean. You know, I've... um, 
I've uh, snorkeled the, the, the dry tortugas in some of the clearest water in the world. You know, mm -hmm. just incredible, uh, incredible destination to see uh, what life looks like under the surface of the sea. And so all these places where you get to see this, this creation. And sometimes, you know, I mean, the reality is, too, there's, there's some beauty right here where we are. Yeah. I mean, some incredible yeah, beauty right sure. here where we are. Sure. Sometimes we, we miss that. We start to take for granted, um, you know, just the, the scape of the Appalachian Mountains, mm -hmm. you know. So we see that, realize it's beautiful, but you see it day after day and you just mm -hmm. start to, that's just what's there. Um, but, but the beauty of creation is everywhere. You don't have to travel somewhere necessarily so, too, to. And in those, in those moments yeah. when you're in those really beautiful uh, scenes, when you're dwelling on that, how has that helped to point you towards God's majesty through that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that, that move requires an intentional step. Mm -hmm. You know, so I have been very guilty as one who believes that God created all of this to uh, to be in a place where I'm struck by the beauty of creation and just just let it stay there you know don't don't take it the next step deeper mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. don't don't allow the reality of God to confront me in that moment um, but but when you make that next intellectual move although it's very experiential and there's a lot of feelings involved in that too for sure um, when you actually make that move, whether it be watching the 4K you know, uh, documentary, whether it be seeing some of these pictures, um, you know, I come back to that picture of the, the foot pad of that beetle. You know, as I was looking through some of these um, uh, pictures taken with the, the, the help of a microscope um, in the last couple of weeks, that one kept coming back to me. I mean, you see, this this tiny tiny foot pad. I mean, I I don't even know how large it actually would be. But think about a beetle. I mean, we've all seen beetles. And you yeah. know, just the little appendage at the end of his leg. I mean, that's all. It's all we're talking about. To see that then um, magnified, um, and then to start to see the detail and the color that mm -hmm. pops out in that. You know, God is in the small things, God is in the big things, and everything in between, God is in that in mm -hmm. creation. And it, it just it just kind of moves me um, to a place where, you know, I, I used the word awe yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where I am moved to, to be in awe of God. And we think about um, what that, you know, here, here's the definition I shared in the, in the message. Um, is that you know when something is awesome, it inspires a feeling of reverential respect, mixed with fear or wonder. Well, that's that's exactly how I feel mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when I allow myself to move to that place mm -hmm. where the beauty that I'm experiencing in nature, seeing through creation, when I allow that to start to teach me things about God, the Creator. Yeah, I mean, I, that's good. You know, there, there's nothing else I've got. I mean, I'm I'm in awe. God is awesome. He fits the description of that word well. Yeah, let's go a little deeper on that okay. then. And talk about allowing that to teach you about God. So what what does the beauty of creation, what does that teach us about who God is? Yeah. Um, so I think we'll we could start, start to maybe, you know, maybe identify a few things about his, his character in that sense. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Uh, one, he, he, created, uh, he created our universe to sustain life. Um, and then here on earth, obviously created earth to sustain life. So life is something that God then values. I mean, we see that. So he, he created uh, what we see and then says to, you know, all that he created in a sense says, go be fruitful and multiply, including human beings. So be fruitful and multiply. God values life. And we see that in creation. Otherwise, God could have just created things that were beautiful. I mean, that's a big deal, right? That God created beauty. Yeah. But he could have created beauty without, without life. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, think about even like, you know, some of the pictures we're seeing in the Martian landscape right now. So again, thinking about things that are coming back to us out of, uh, you know, space exploration. So the Mar- Mars rover, um, some of the pictures that are coming back uh, of the Martian landscape are beautiful. And I can look at them and be captivated uh, by them for a time, but I also find them eerie because there's no life. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's almost, it's like beauty without life is almost creepy. I mean, if mm-hmm. I can use that word. Mm-hmm. And so God is, uh, God is not just interested in beauty for the sake of beauty. He's interested in this vibrant living beauty mm-hmm. that, that we are too as human beings, by the way. You know, it's the life and the beauty that come together that really move us to a place where we start to place value in it. You know, so, uh, so yeah, obviously God is, God is a God who is concerned about beauty because we do see even beauty in the places that probably are devoid of life. You know, when we look at the cosmic cliffs or we look at uh, the windmill galaxy or we look at different nebulas, I mean, the pictures of those are incredibly beautiful. But as far as we know, there's no life there, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, or the Martian landscape. There's no life there. Um, so God is concerned about beauty just for the sake of beauty, but then he's also concerned about life. I think we also learn that God is in many ways a, a God of incredible order. Um, I was talking with somebody yesterday, I can't remember who it was, and they were talking about even, uh, even the way that ferns are, are designed, um, incredible replication um, an almost identical patterning to the frond of a fern, but that can be broken down several times. And so you see it, if you're looking at the fern, you would look at it and say, oh, look, this is all laid out in a pattern and each side is equal in balance to the other. But then when you take that frond and take each individual piece of that frond, and I don't know what those are called, like you get your individual <laughs> fern leaf or whatever, <laughs> yep. that those then now have that same symmetry and order, each individual mm-hmm. one of those. And then they have little appendages and they have symmetry as mm-hmm. they go as well. You know, so God, an incredible God of, uh, of order in that. And really, when you look at the Genesis creation account, it is the idea of bringing order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, so as God creates, he takes what was void, you know, so that there's nothing and God makes something. And then he takes something which is now maybe beautiful on the order of the Martian landscape, but starts to bring order into it, separating light from dark, separating earth from water, bringing life now into those spaces. And so Mm -hmm. you can see God in a very ordered manner. Uh, doing that in, in creation. And so we see what, what he values there. And there's a lot, of, a, lot, uh, a lot of other things that we can learn. We talked about already the detail, you know, is, is God in the details? Well, yeah. take a look at the intricacy of creation. God is fully in the details. Is mm-hmm. God able to handle the big, big things? Well, look at the fine tuning of the universe. You know, again, 
the universe is so finely tuned for life and for our existence. Um, any small component that would be pushed outside of a parameter would mean that uh, our universe, not just this planet, would not be able to sustain life, but the universe would not be able to sustain life. And God ordered all of that, and He holds all of it together. So there, there's so much that we can learn about yeah. God as Creator as we look at creation. Also, I mean, just as we're discussing that, I, I, I'm reminded that like, even Jesus did this yeah. to some extent, right? We see him teaching, like, look at the birds, look yes. at the lilies. Like, he's yes. Pointing telling to his followers, look at creation for what it is teaching about yes. God. Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap, and yet their Heavenly Father feeds them. What is that teaching us? It's teaching yeah. us that, man, God is, is generous. He's abundant. He's, yes. like, giving of life to them. And like, so... I just say that's cool. That's a that's a pattern that we even see Agreed. modeled in Jesus's life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I guess I, I do want to ask too: is why why should we care about doing that to learn about God? I I, I mean I get there's a lot mm -hmm. that we can learn about that, but um, why, why should we care about that? If we have we have the Bible, that gives us the revelation of who God is. Sure. So why do we need nature to reveal something about Him? Yeah, I think that's fair, um, and, and certainly we do see in Scripture uh, we are exposed to God as He reveals Himself to us. You know, so we have the Book of Scripture, but some have actually talked about, you know, these two books that both teach us about God. You've got the Book of Scripture, and then you've got the Book of Nature. Mm -hmm. You know, so what we see in creation. Uh, in fact, if you look at um, you know Newton, who, who kind of formulated a number of the the laws or expressed what he was observing, the laws of uh, the way that nature orders itself and works. Um, Newton actually, for him, the, the primary reason, uh, the primary aim of science um, was the pursuit of, of God as we observe and learn about the creative order, created order that, that we, as we do so, we would learn about who God is. You know, we would learn about the, what, what God has created. Um, and so, you know, I think if we look at just pure science, especially from the perspective of one who believes that God is responsible for creation, as we pursue science and learning about all that is around us, we do so believing that it's going to teach us about the one who, who created yeah. it. Yeah. But beyond that, you know, so if we actually want to use the words of Scripture to make a case for this, we, we absolutely can do that. I mean, the Apostle Paul in Romans uh, 1, 8, 18 through 23, I can read that real quickly. Um, he begins by, he's actually trying to make this case about um, people who miss God in creation. He's saying, look, God okay. has made it plain. So he says this, he says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godly, godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, what truth is he talking about? Well, here, here's the truth that he goes to. He says, since what may be known about God, the truth about God, he says, is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Well, what do you mean, Paul? God has made it plain to them. Has does everybody have a copy of the Bible? Paul's actually talking about people who, um, who were living before the existence of the Bible as we know it today, mm -hmm. right? So the Old Testament would uh, have been complete, but it would have been something that was, um, I mean, it was primarily something for... Not as accessible, right? Yeah, like, not yeah. accessible. And, and yeah. really, I mean, the Jews kind of kept it to themselves. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, they, they, you know, there was proselytization. And so, yeah, they did allow for God-fearers to engage in... Uh, and, and become uh, practicing Jews for sure, but it wasn't something that was shared out. Yeah. In fact, they weren't 
going into all the world mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to make disciples, they, they weren't doing that. You know, that, that's a, that, that was a post-Jesus Christian pursuit because Jesus, Matthew 28, tells us to go into the whole world. And so, so we don't have the Bible to reveal to us who God is that, that way. So who's, what is Paul talking about? Well, this is what he says in verse 20 of uh, Romans 1. He says, For since the creation of the world... So he's pointing to creation, pointing to nature. Mm -hmm. He says God's invisible qualities. Okay, so what, when, when the question is asked from, of Paul, the apostle, what can we learn about God as we observe creation? Here's what he would point to. He says his invisible qualities, and he, he gives a couple right here. He says his eternal power and his divine nature. So he mm -hmm. says we can learn by looking at creation that God is eternally powerful and that he's divine in nature. So he is God mm -hmm. in the sense that he is really truly set apart from us. So he's divine. Um, he says that has been clearly seen. Those invisible qualities have been clearly seen being understood. Why? How? He says from what has been made. Huh. It's what, what we see, observe with our eyes that points us to God. In fact, Paul says it's so definitive he says that people are without excuse hmm. going on he says for although they knew god okay so there's this expectation that we ought to know god through creation he says they neither glorified him as god nor gave thanks to him but became futile in their in their thinking right in their foolish hearts and their foolish hearts were darkened now again think about this idea of glorifying god and giving thanks to him and we're going to come back to that in a minute because i think that is um you know, kind of the next question, mm -hmm. this will be part of the answer to the next okay. question. So, so hold on to that. You okay. know, glorifying God, giving thanks to Him. Um, he says, although they claim to be wise, I think about what's going on in the world today. Not giving credit to God for any of what, what is, we're going to come up with an explanation for everything that we see that involves no God whatsoever. Purely naturalist explanation. So although they claim to be wise, they became fools. And what did they do? They ex exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Basically what Paul is saying, they exchange the, the worship of the Creator for worship of creation, which is happening mm -hmm. in our day and age as well. So Paul is making the case in Scripture yeah, yeah. that we can look outside That's of Scripture good. and learn about who God is by looking at creation. So I, I think there's, there's an awful lot of reason to go and do that. Um, certainly, when we look in Scripture, yes, we want to get to know God through the words of Scripture. See Him as He reveals Himself. But then beyond that, understand that God has, as Paul says, made Himself known to yeah. us through creation. I love that. I love that. Really good job answering that question. And I mean, I just see that to be true in my life as well of just through experience mm -hmm. i feel like i can attest to that mm -hmm. of there's something about being out in nature that it it just connects with your other senses yes. right yeah that like you are it is a physical embodied experience and experiencing the presence of god in that way it's it's really yeah. powerful um yeah and, and we can do that purely as a again there are many who do it um and only appreciate the beauty of creation. We're yeah. challenging those of us, saying to those who follow Christ, or again, even if you don't follow Jesus, just just come along with us for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And put yourself in a place to where you ask the question, what does all this tell us about the God who created all of this? So 
what what does this look like in your life when you're trying to appreciate the majesty of the creator mm -hmm. through creation now i want to kind of like so we've talked about the idea of this yeah. of ways that you've seen this beauty we've talked about of like why this is so important to learn about god so maybe just getting a little more practical into your life what, what does this look like of how, how are you doing this yeah i think you know so the Apostle Paul in the passage that we just read is clearly saying from, from what I'm seeing that God desires for us as we experience His majesty through creation in creation, um, clearly desires for us to give glory to Him and give thanks to Him for all we see. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a big thing. You know, so I, I th think about that just um, in, in your own life, you know, I, I have done a good deal of counseling, a fair deal of counseling over the last number of years as a, um, you know, I've worked both in ministry, but also in the counseling field. And some of the counseling that I do is, um, you know, in relationships between husbands and wives, husbands and wives uh, in particular. So I do some marital counseling. And it's interesting to me how, how often when I'll get people in my office, um, and, and again, I'm not talking about anybody specifically. I'm talking about this is, this is a yeah. general truth, yeah. general reality. You get two people come in the office to talk. They're having some, some marital issues. And one of the things invariably that will come out is, I just don't feel appreciated mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Right? So I, I've done, I'm doing these things and I just don't feel appreciated at all. And, and granted, we shouldn't just be doing things for the sake of feeling appreciated. Right? Because that... That means our motive and what we're doing is not necessarily pure, but there is something to expressing appreciation to people when they do nice yeah. things, yeah. you know, uh, day after day and week after week. You know, I, I think, you know, I even feel a little guilty as I say this, thinking about my, my wife who does all of our laundry and some of it can be pretty nasty sometimes, you know, boys and I still play, we play sports quite a bit and, um, you know, and, and Lori does that laundry day after day, week after week. You know, and, and how often do I stop and say, thank you for mm -hmm. doing that. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing. You know, and it, it can go both ways. I mean, there are, there are things that I do, and I, I love to be uh, in that acknowledged and appreciated. Th those are actually the mm -hmm. two words that I use yeah. um, when, when working with people uh, who, who are having that struggle. They don't feel appreciated. Well, actually, the first thing you do before you appreciate is you acknowledge. I see you doing this, and I'm thankful I appreciate it. So acknowledge and appreciate. Well, the same is true with, with God. I mean, it, when we're engaging with Him and we're seeing what is in creation, again, remember, there is that intellectual move, that intellectual pose that moves us beyond just taking for granted all we see. So that, that is a shift that has to happen first. So we move from that place of just seeing and observing, maybe even appreciating what is, to appreciating the one who is responsible for what is. So we make that shift, and then we express it. Mm -hmm. And then we express it. You know, And I think that, you know, um, uh, we'll kind of skip ahead with this a little bit and just use a, a couple of examples um, really quickly from um, Romans 8 and Romans, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 8 and, and mm -hmm. Romans 11. Um, and there are multiple other psalms that do this as well, and other places where um, where authors, those who were authoring scripture, did this exact same thing. They saw what God had done, and immediately used that to turn around and declare 
uh, in acknowledge, acknowledge what God had done and then use that as a moment to, uh, to give Him glory, to appreciate what was. And I just wonder how, you know, how often we, we make that move in our lives to do that. It, it does require some intentionality. In fact, so much of our relationship with, with God requires intentionality. You know, if we're not pursuing and chasing after God, if we're not seeking Him yeah. out, then you know, there are a lot of things, at least a depth to the relationship that we could experience with Him that we're unlikely to just stumble upon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, even with Him pursuing us. And so I think that the, the idea of acknowledging and appreciating, um, you know, <clears throat> I think that's, that's a big part of, of what we need to do. So let me just share real quickly. We'll just look at Psalm 8 real quick. What David says in Psalm 8, and, and then maybe we can talk about how we can practically try to mm-hmm. do the same as well. But, um, you know, David says in Psalm 8, he says, Lord, our Lord. And this is a, he's going to show some of the things that he's observed. Okay, so he's going to call these out. He says, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, when I read this, you know, what comes to mind, um, I saw one, one commentary as I was preparing for this, this particular message. Um, that talked about you know the, the fact that artists will almost always sign their work. You know, so if you have an artist who has a real gift, that artist is going to put his or her yeah. name yeah. in the bottom of the, the, the painting. You know, the painting or even photographers do that because the way they're viewing the the, uh, the image, uh, the people, whatever it happens to be, they're still having to line that up so that it looks a particular way. So even their artistry and creativity exist as they're using their camera, you know, to, to set up a scene or, you know, uh, videographers, same thing. You know, so there's this artistry involved and, and inevitably an artist is going to want to sign their work to some mm-hmm. degree. And, and this particular uh, commentary was saying, you know, this is almost how he feels when he reads this verse is that David is saying, God, you're like an artist who has put your name all over the place. So how majestic is your name in all the earth? I see evidence of you everywhere. You know, I see that you've, you've written your name in the sky. You know, you've written your name on the design of this crazy little tropical beetle. You've written your name, you know, in the fish in, that are in the seas. I mean, all these places, God, I see evidence of you. And just like an artist, you're signing your name as you go. You know, so, uh, or Lord, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And he talks about, uh, he says, God, you've set your glory in the heavens. Um, then again, there's some debate about what this next uh, little bit means. If you read Peterson's message or if you read the NLT translation of this, you'll see very clearly they're taking some liberty with the text to express what they believe that David is actually saying when he says, through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghood against your enemies. Peterson actually says that, you know, it's, it's children and infants who acknowledge God through what they see. Mm-hmm. It's, it's those of us, you know, as adults, we start to become prideful sometimes. And, you know, we, we're looking for explanations that don't involve God because God may seem foolish to us or whatever, you know, and so that's, you know, that's how you wind up with people who don't believe in God, you know. So, uh, but he says, you know, that children, children and infants acknowledge that. And so here in the NIV, they render that you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence a foe. And then he says these words, when I consider your heavens. So David is saying, I think about the heavens. I think about the work of your fingers. And then he talks about the moon and the stars, you know. So he's saying 
not only God, does it strike me that as an artist you're signing your name all over the place. You know, it's, it's even more than that. I can see your fingerprints on everything. You know, we think about, you know, David would have said this before, probably understanding the significance of, and the uniqueness of a fingerprint. Um, you know, but my fingerprint and your fingerprint are different. And the reality is, with all the people who are alive in the world today, roughly seven and a half billion, from what I understand is no two fingerprints are the same. Mm-hmm. And so that if I were to commit a crime, you could go and you could pull up the fingerprint da- database and, you know, I'm not saying I'm about to commit a crime. I, I hope that's not going to happen. Uh, but if I, if I were to commit a crime, you would be able to, through my fingerprint, determine that I was the one who did it. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost as if David is saying the same thing. God, I see your fingerprints in all of this. And therefore, I know you're the one who did it. Yeah. This is you. Yeah. Um, so again, it's, it's, it's a really cool thing as we think about appreciating the majesty uh, of the Creator through creation, this idea, these twin ideas of acknowledging, God, this is you, and then appreciating. This is amazing, God. Mm-hmm. You did this. Mm-hmm. I see you everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I love that. I think that's, that's a great a great practice to acknowledge and appreciate. I know, um, uh, I think that's great. It, it transitions really well into our final question. Um, and it's it just ask is, how can we practice this this week to be faithful to Jesus? Yeah, so maybe just some really easy suggestions to mm-hmm. actually practice acknowledging and appreciating. Um, you know, so just two suggestions, and, and there could be others as well. Um, but these are the two that we left uh, our folks here at Grace Chapel with this week. So we'll leave folks listening to the podcast with this as well. Mm-hmm. Get out in nature wherever you are, yeah. wherever you live. Find some time to get out in nature. I'm, I'm going to try to get out. We, we've got a, a large lake where we live here just north of mm-hmm. Atlanta. For me, um, man, I, I appreciate the beauty of God um, in the scenes, uh, involving water. I love yeah. water. Yeah. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, some people are big time mountain people or, you know, maybe, maybe other things, the plains, the beauty of the plains, and there's beauty, incredible beauty in the plains as well. Um, so, so wherever you happen to be, whatever it is that, that causes you to marvel at creation. So for me, it's going to be that water landscape. I'm going to just find a couple hours and, and go down by the water. I'm actually going to do the second piece as well, too, because even as I was thinking about this yesterday, all these photos are coming to mind of places where I've been, mm-hmm. photos that I have taken that I took that picture because something significant was happening in that moment. A sunset, um, you know, a, a location of vista, um, a mountain. Uh, the ocean, whatever it happens to be, this place of incredible beauty where you have been, but you can't go there now, but you could go get that picture and all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. vividly in your imagination, that experience and that time will come to life again. It's like you'll be transported back to that place um, where you were in awe of what you were seeing and then allow that to move you to the next level where you acknowledge and appreciate not just in awe of what you saw, in awe of the one who made mm. what you were seeing and witnessing, and maybe even beyond that, and the fact that you can even witness all of that. Yeah. So, so really, uh, you know, again, it's just a, a, a challenge, and you could do this in a different way, but just two, two suggestions. Get out in nature, spend some time, you know, or, or spend some time looking through old photos of places that you have traveled that cause you to, mm-hmm. to marvel at creation. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, for me, I know I often will look like just going out, going out somewhere in nature and just praying in that yeah. place. And there's something, I don't, I don't know, for me, I, I, I love going to Pools Mill Park. It's a park yeah. we've got around yeah. here. It's mm-hmm. got some, you know, got the water going on, you got some rapids and just yep. kind of sitting out there on one of those rocks. And it's, there's just this experience to where that I'm talking to God. I love praying out loud in a space like that. Mm-hmm. It's loud enough with the rapids. No one hears me, so they don't think I'm insane. Okay. Um, but I just sit out there and I just pray out loud. I just do my talking out loud. And it's, there's something that when I'm in that space, it's almost like you're in a sacred place. Yeah. Is that you yeah. feel the nature around you. You feel the rock you're sitting on. You smell the water. You hear yeah. the sound of the raging waters going through. And it just gets all of your senses involved in a really powerful way. Yes. So I would just, man, I would just echo that challenge of find somewhere to do that. It could even be your own backyard. Like yeah, it doesn't have absolutely. to be some fancy location you're going to. Go sit on your porch when there's a rainstorm and just yes. go sit out there just listen absolutely. to that. Meditate, pray. And something powerful about that, getting your senses involved in like experiencing creation and experiencing the creator through that. Yeah, and again, remember this is this is something, according to the Apostle Paul, we are supposed to be, that almost God expects of us. Yeah, yeah. He expects us to be doing this. Yes, 100% getting to know him through reading scripture and contemplating what that, how he's revealing himself to us there. But then as well, he expects us to go out into creation and through creation, give thanks to him. You know, glorify him, give thanks to him for all he's done. And so the, the way I... Uh, say that in the takeaway at the end of chapter two in the book is this, that it's good to appreciate the majesty of creation, but even better to appreciate the majesty of the creator. So, mm-hmm. so go do that this week. Absolutely experience and appreciate the majesty of what you see of creation, but then allow that to move you to the second piece, to contemplate, give credit, acknowledge, and then appreciate the one who created it. Love that. Awesome. Awesome, Paul. Well, thank you for that. That's a great spot to land it on this week. And I think a really good practical challenge for y'all this week and for both of us, really, mm-hmm. of just of going out, like, let's actually, let's go out and do this. Very practical, tangible takeaway mm-hmm. from this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so please feel free to reach out. If you have any questions, thoughts, if you want to let us know you practice this and want to yeah. let us know how your experience was with that, we always appreciate hearing your feedback. But um Until next time, we look forward to seeing you all next week. We'll be in part three if you want to be reading ahead, chapter three of The Way Back. Um, And we look forward to seeing you all then. Absolutely. God bless you until then.